Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we do indeed thank You for the blessing of worshiping You and the fullness that You give us from time to time that causes our cups to overflow at Thy divine majesty. We would that we had more occasions like that. And likely it would be so if it were not for the wretchedness that still abides in our flesh. We thank You for preserving the Holy Scriptures for us. And we thank You that we still have them. And ask that You would bless us to be able to hide them in our heart that we not sin against You. May our souls be so blessed by the operation of the Holy Spirit that we had rather and be uh, indulge ourselves in the word than in the things of the world <coughs> we still have attraction for the things of this world and i suppose we shall until our departure or your coming. Thank you for the blessing of being able to assemble together in your house. And I pray that you would bless faithful men as they Proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ today and that the gospel would go forth in power and in demonstration of your Holy Spirit. In Christ we pray. Amen. The last song that we sang uh, were the verse it talked about that if we were to call uh, the stars our own, 
I was reminded of something that I heard this morning uh, as I was listening to Brother Bradley, and he made a quote from Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> going all the way around the world, aren't I? But anyway, and it went something like this. But uh, uh, that uh, Spurgeon said something to the fact that when you look up into the heavens and see all the stars, it's like the flag of God saying that the king is home, or the king is at home. And uh, when it talked about if I were to call the stars my own, which we can't, but uh, anyway, that was uh, a blessing to me to think about looking up into the heavens and... Uh, seeing all the stars and saying, the king is at home. He's at home. He's on his throne. Anyway, thought I would share that with you uh, for whatever it's worth. It was a blessing to me. And, uh, and yet many times somebody would say something like that. And there'd just be so many words. <laughs> you know, it's not much of a blessing, but... Uh, when the Lord sanctifies it to your heart, it is. We want to come back to First John chapter four today. I don't know whether we will uh, finish uh, this or not, but I'm going to read verses sixteen through twenty-one uh, to read all of the verses. We're going to be taking up in verse sixteen. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. I have... Uh, given a subtitle to these verses, the, the commandment of love restated. All through the gospel, uh, this epistle, uh, God has reminded us of His love to us and our love to each other. He just compounds it over and over and over again. And we see here in these verses, he brings to our attention again 
the love of God to us, the love of God in us, our love for His uh, people, and, and so forth. Obviously, much could be preached about the love of God. And I thought about here, and I thought about in uh, other places throughout this epistle to maybe stop and preach a few sermons on the love of God. But uh, it's kindly taken us quite a while uh, to get through this epistle anyway. So we won't do that. But I do want to remind ourselves as well as testify to the Scriptures that when we speak of the love of God, we're not speaking as the world speaks. The world talks about love in relation to the sensation of emotions upon our fleshly body. When a young man and a young woman are courting, their love is expressed to each other in cordials that are used most likely to cause emotional stirrings and sensations in the flesh. Now, obviously, some sensations of the flesh with regard to love are not wrong. But basically, uh, they are more wrong than they are right. So many times, even husbands and wives use the emotions and the sensations of the flesh against one another in order to obtain what they desire. Whether it's a earthly possession, maybe for a woman it might be a dress or a purse or a new pair of shoes. For the man it might be a bow or a a gun or some other uh, instrument for sports. Or it might even be just to satisfy uh, the, the flesh. But you find all too often, even where love in uh, a fleshly way can be guided and directed, uh, which is not sinful, uh, 
yet you see that too often it's still used to combat one another in order to try to appeal to the senses to get what you want. But as we have seen throughout the Scriptures, this is not biblical love. This is not biblical love, or maybe I should say godly love. Godly love is defined more as a verb than as a noun. And we see or have seen in many other sermons beforehand and so on that God expresses His love toward us not so much as the emotions, though a few moments ago I had an emotional sensation when I was speaking about the expression that Spurgeon said with regard to the stars being the flag that the king is at home. It just kind of touched my heart. But that doesn't happen every day. But God's love is expressed to us in sacrifice. In sacrifice. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Galatians 2.20 Christ loved me and gave Himself for me. Christ loved the congregation, the assembly, and gave Himself for it. Husbands, love your wives and give of your, yourself in essentially the context there in Ephesians chapter 5. It's a giving. It's a giving. It's a sacrificing and pleasing the other rather than yourself. I was trying to think of an illustration, but uh, kind of drawing a blank. But you can see that it is, and let me say this, it's, it's not a giving of yourself begrudgingly. You know, when I was growing up at home, many times my parents would tell me to do something. Okay. I did it. I knew better than to talk back. 
I knew that I was going to have to do it eventually. But it's the idea that when a child knows that the parent, whether it's the father or the mother, the parent would like something to be done. And just as a casual conversation, the parent might make the uh, make a statement in the presence of a child, uh, saying, "Boy, I, I wish uh, such and I'll be glad when such and such is done, or I wish something was done, or something." And the child, without even mentioning it to the father or mother, takes it up on himself to do it for them simply because he just loves them and wants to please them. And you can imagine the delight of the parent when the child has taken up such a task. And sometimes it is that a child will take up a task and he's really not capable of performing the task. But he's done the best he could. And he might have even made a little bit of mess of it. But the parent was still delighted because of the attitude of the child. This is the concept of biblical love. This is the concept of biblical love. And John reminds us here in verse 16, and we have one of those words for knowledge again, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. Let me ask you something. If someone were to come up to you and say, how do you know God loves you? What would be your answer? John said, we've known it. We know and believe that God has loved us. Not only do we just believe it, we know it. We have that experimental knowledge is the word here, gnosko. We know that God loves us. If there's any one thing that a child of grace very likely questions more than anything else is, does God love me? Literally, it reads, and we have known and believed the love that God hath in us. Didn't say we've known, we know that we love God. But we know that God 
loves us. I tried to figure out how to express some of this in my own wording. I finally uh, copied down uh, Robert Candlish, uh, a lengthy quote of him about this. And as I reread it this morning, uh, evidently it didn't have the same punch <laughs> to me this morning as it did when I uh, thought it was good, but I'm still going to read it if you'll bear with me. The confession of truth is now seen to be identical with the sense and experience of love. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. We have known and believed. This is quite John's manner to unite in one knowledge and faith. Notice, knowledge and faith are united here. We have known and believed. We have intelligently believed, and Candice didn't mean by this that we believe on our own, God has to work it in us, but it's still our intellect that is involved in it. We have believingly understood. And let me pause again and say that belief is not just some ephemeral expression of the soul. It includes knowledge. We have intelligently believed. We have believingly understood. Notice he says, we have known and believed. They go, they go together. It's not an either or, it's a both. We have thus known and believed the love that God hath to us, or rather, the love which God hath in us. For the expression is very peculiar and emphatical, and as used here can scarcely mean anything else than that His love to us has become His love in us, and that we have known and believed it as such. Of course, it is His love to us. But it is His love to us transferred, as it were, or transplanted from the gospel, where it is a matter of revelation from without to our own hearts, where it becomes a, move, a moving principle and power from within. 
In other words, after we have been regenerated, it is the gospel that feeds and gives sustenance to this love to cause it to grow and develop. There in the gospel, it is His love manifested to us. Here in our hearts, it is His love actually existing in us. Not merely felt by us as His love to us, but felt by us in His love in us, in us so truly and literally in us, that we become the conscience storekeepers or depositories of it. In other words, we are consciously aware of the love of God in us. As it were, and the dispensers of it to others who are as such its objects as we are ourselves. In other words, how can we uh, say that we love God uh, whom we haven't seen if we don't love others whom we have seen? In other words, we have this love. We are storekeepers of it and depositors of it and we dispense it to others. The love of God having us for its objects passes from God's outer record to our inner life. It enters into us. It finds access to the inmost recesses of our moral and spiritual being. It is therefore now the love which God hath, has in us. He pours into us. He puts and plants in us His own love. He has it in us. His own very love reproduced by Himself in us, communicated, if one may dare to say so, by Himself from His own heart to ours. Beloved, grasp hold of that. God's love to you is a divine expression of His heart to you. We'll get to it eventually, and it's easy to say, we love Him because He first loved us. And that's true. But God's very heart, as it were, expresses Himself to you and in you in giving you His love. If you will allow me to use the illustration that we are... Uh, borrow from the illustration that we gave earlier. Though it's quite uh, lacking. But it comes to mind. 
You remember we spoke of the child that heard the parent desire for something to be accomplished and the child on its own expressed his love and and admiration and uh, affection for the parent to go and do it on his own. Well, God expressed His love, His affection, and His desire for you to instill love in you on His own. Think of that. As the child delighted to please his parent, we might say, and I say it with reservation, but God delighted to please you by giving you His love. God didn't love you What's the word I'm looking for? Without passion. Though God has no passion in Himself. But you know what we're trying to say? God delighted to love you. It was with joy. It pleased the Father to love you. Just as it pleased the Father to bruise the Son, it pleased the Father to choose you in Christ Jesus before the world was. That was love being expressed. And He delighted in that. And beloved, as much well, maybe I shouldn't say as much. But just as, though maybe not as much, I don't know how to talk about this, but in as much as you are going to delight to be with God in the glory world, God delights that you're there. In that day when He makes up His jewels, you are going to be the crown jewels of the love of God. Do you know this? Do you know this? Is it living in you? If not, beloved, think on these things. Continuing on with Candlish, the love of God having us for its object, passes from God's outer record into our inner life 
It enters into us. It finds access in uh, to, uh, to the innermost recesses of our moral and spiritual being. It is therefore now the love which God has in us. He pours into us. He puts and plants in us His own love. He has it in us. His own very love produced by Himself in us, communicated, if one may dare to say so, by Himself from His own heart to ours. It is the love which we ourselves in the first instant are the objects of which it was our first relief and joy when we were convinced of sin to find ourselves the objects it is the love of which when all but despairing we lay trembling hold and of which we are still fain to lay hold continually. Not love to be holy. The pure, the penitent, the believing, the chosen. But love to the world as such of which we are part and love to men of sinners of whom I am chief. In other words, that love is expressed to other sinners. But that love is in us now. God has it in us. It is not merely that we have it in us as a ground of confidence for ourselves, God has it in us on His behalf, a treasury of love available for others. It is in us not merely as what we ourselves grasp and count to be all our salvation, but as what springs up in us and is outgoing toward others. being thus God's own very love, dwelling and working in our whole inner man. That I am persuaded, and nothing short of that, is the great thought involved in these wondrous words, we have known and believed the love that God has in us. Not only have we known and believed His love, so as to apprehend and app- uh, appropriate it, as it comes from without and from above, not only so as to take it and make it available for our own spiritual life and comfort, but also and especially so as to imbibe it, to drink it into the very essence of our renovated nature, our renewed selves. In us who know it and believe it, God has His own love in actual existence and in active exercise. Candy said a lot in those few words, though it was a lengthy quote to say the least. But note the verse again, and we have known and believed the love that God had to us, or literally in us. God is love. 
And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Living in love. Not loving the world. Because we're to love not the world. John, 1 John tells us this. Not sin. For we're not to love sin. But we are to love other believers. And as we do have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. But especially unto the household of faith. But again, I want to direct your attention to God unfolding His love in you. You know, God didn't just say, well, I'll elect this one. I'll elect that one. Christ will die for so and so. But He delights in you. He delights in you. It was speaking as a man, it was pleasing to God to instill His love into you. It pleased Him. Does that register with you? It's not that He just, well, yeah, He loved me. He gave me to Christ. But it pleased the Lord. He delighted in that. And He delights in you. Yes, we're sinners. John points that out in his first chapter. That if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say that if we have not sinned, we make God a liar and all of that. Yes, we're sinners. But God still delights in you, beloved. Sinner though you are, but cleansed by the propitiatory sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sin. 1 John 2.1 tells us. Beloved, think of the past. When you had 
strong affection for someone. And it delighted your soul. And you walked as with a spring in your step because you were loved by someone. May God bless that spring in your step to abide in your soul as you think about God's love for you. You say, well, my heart is so cold, so indifferent. Ask God to soften your heart. Ask God to manifest in you this verse. Seek the Lord. And what does James tell us? If we seek the Lord, what will we do? We'll find Him. If we seek Him with all our heart. But you don't know how bad a sinner I am, you say. Hang on to Hebrews when it talks about that we have a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That we can go to Him to obtain mercy and grace and help in time of need. Well, much, much more could be said about verse 16. Herein is our love made perfect, complete, filled out, finished. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in the world. But here, herein is this love made perfect. We're not going to look at all of it, all of the verses, but let's look at a few of them. This idea of perfect is to be full. You sit down to a meal, you eat, and you are full. You're perfect. You're complete. You're whole. Luke 2, verse 43. This is when Joseph and Mary and our Lord went up to the temple in Jerusalem. And in verse 43, And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But notice, the word there is fulfilled. In other words, they went to Jerusalem. 
They went there with a purpose and they did everything that they went there to do. This is our word for perfect in John, 1 John 4, 17. The Gospel of John, chapter 4. Verse 34. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. There's the word for perfect again. In other words, Jesus come to do everything that the Father sent Him to do. This is our word that we're looking at in John, 1 John 4, 17. Chapter 5, verse 36. But I have greater witnesses than that of John, greater witness than that of John, for the works which my Father hath given me to finish. That's the word. The same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And so we could... Multiply this by many others because it's used 33 times in 24 verses. And there are several places in the book of Hebrews where it's talked about as being perfect that'll give you a good study. But in 1 John, this word is used also in some other places. In other words, in 1 John 2, 5, But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, complete, rounded out, finished. 1 John 4 and verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected, finished, complete. And then in verse 18, we've already read verse 17 of 1 John 4. In verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Perfect love. Complete love. He that feareth is made perfect in love. Actually, the word in verse 18 is the word for made perfect. So we see that the love of God rounds you out. It perfects you. Makes you whole and complete.
Fear hath torment. Fear hath torment. And you know that. But we, we want perfect love that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. I want us to take up the, the point of judgment this afternoon. It'd be too much to start it now. But there is a judgment. And how we live now will have bearing on whether how bold we are in the day of judgment. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your love. Help us, my Father, to really have perfect love. And may we appreciate that love. And may we delight in the expression of Your love to us as the sinners that we are. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen.